the alphabet was ABC lapping? <laughs> ABC lapping. <laughs> DFG lapping. hear the chimes you know what that means it's time for zero credits the show where we talk about things my name's harmonic henry and i'm that little bell guy from kirby also known as john and together we're harmonic henry and that little bell guy from kirby also known as john coming at you to ring out the dulcet tones of that their cultural zeitgeist I, I'm front-loading the beginning of this episode with a lot of chimey talk, and, and that's because John, seconds before we started uh, recording, let me know that uh, the wind chimes located on the balcony of my apartment are apparently very audible when it's windy out, and it's a cold and windy day here at the Zero Credits Studio Apartment Studios. So, that's a disclaimer, I guess. Let me tell you, you're going to be able to hear some wind on these episodes. That's not just the wind we're usually do- doling yeah. out of our mouths and blowing <laughs> some hot air on you. Not gonna, no, no, this is cold air. This is cold air. It's 40 degrees in fucking Texas. Why? 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 When I moved here, I was told explicitly that it never rains and it's hot, 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 hot in traffic. And the only thing I've experienced so far is constant rain, it is cold, and traffic. The The traffic is uh, constant. Now, when I moved here, I met with a man uh, who was a cactus. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, and uh, he told me much the same thing. That cactus. That cactus. Dead. <laughs> oh, no. It's been very cold. Can a cacti survive Absolutely, cold? they can. Yours didn't. Uh, no, that was <laughs> neglect. <laughs> Okay, so if you're making a list, fans at home, if you're keeping track, keeping score, things cactuses can survive. One, cold. (laughs) Two, not Henry. (laughs) Yes, they can survive anyone but Henry. Uh, My girlfriend has grown a small little cactus terrarium thing, never waters it. Grows great. I had one little chicken and hen succulent that I named Pete that I tried to take care of. Dead in a week. Yeah. I, I had, I had a, a weird arrangement of uh, succulents that I did myself. was very proud of. I don't know how to do any organizing or anything. And I, I the thing is my apartment got zero sun. Yes. And I didn't want to put it outside because I thought a bird would eat it. <laughs> That's fair. I think succulents do have a lot of defense mechanisms against birds. Not the ones I bought. Oh, they didn't have thorns. I bought the saddest, loneliest, defenselessness. <laughs> I guess you would call it vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, succulents I could, and I, I whispered to them every night, I'm going to protect you. And every night they were like, fuck you, we're going to die. <laughs> Wait, Henry, I you raised, bought... I raised a Gen Z... <laughs> 
You raised Doomer succulents. Doomer succulents. Wait, so you had a, you got a round succulent with no spines, Henry? You bought a lime. Oh no! Is that why it smelled very citrusy and started to rot? <laughs> yes, it is. Unfortunately. Oh, and if here you I... waited long enough, you would have gotten a lime bush. <laughs> They're not trees. Huh? They don't grow on trees? Listen, I'm not a botanist. Oh, neither am I. All I know is they grow in two things, bushes and scooters. But I'm going to tell you what I'm a bot about. <laughs> uh, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by two different beers. I, I have a Damn It Jim Amber Ale left here after a super party. Sorry, big game party. Mmm, you gotta edit that one. Fuck this. You gotta, let me tell you how many times we said super you can't say it. During our last podcast. Please we said super saying it 20 times. No. And uh, John's using a hammer to open up a, uh, a bottle cap. I was really hoping you didn't break your, your cute hammer. Please don't break my cute hammer. This is a... I'm Listen, I was taught how to read things in a very specific way. So I'm reading from the left to the right, top to the bottom... This is a 200 years in America Guinness 200th anniversary export stout brewed with black patent malt. The Open Gate Brewery, St. James Gate, Dublin, Arth, Art H. Guinness, 6% alcohol by volume, 12.2 fluid ounces. Is this not 11.2 fluid ounces? I'm being robbed of 0.8 fluid ounces yeah. right now. There's a there's a global trend out there called shrinkflation. Have you heard of this? I've not heard of this. Oh, okay. Well, this is actually kind of fascinating. Uh, products that we are used to buying are getting smaller for the same price. You are getting less of the product that you're paying for at the same price that you used to pay for more. Oh. So rather than change the prices, they change the packaging. They change how they, they stack the amounts. Uh, I'll give you an example of this. The Girl Scout of America. Oh, the one? <laughs> the one Girl The Girl Scout... Scouts of America? Mm-hmm. That there are more than one? Is, wait, is there more than one Girl Scout? The last time I checked, no, there is not. Wow. Well, um, I, don't know if, I don't know if it's them or if it's whatever baking company that makes them. Uh, the S'mores Cookie. It debuted last year for the first time. That's what debut means. Uh-huh. And it came in like sleeves. And you would get like 30 of these cookies, 15 in each sleeve. That's a lot of sleeves. For four American dollars. You That's get a bargain. 30 of these s'mores cookies. And they were really good. I really liked them. I enjoyed them. This year, the second year, not their debut year. Uh, <laughs> I keep doing these, these tautologies where I'm just rephrasing the thing I'm saying. Because I think it sounds good for radio. But all I'm doing is just sounding like an idiot. This year, however, total package, just 15 cookies. Really? For the same price, same $4, they've shrunk the amount of food for the same price. And a lot of people, a lot of companies are doing this. Well, I think that's for the best. Consumption's bad. Bilk us. Food should not be cheap. Uh, food should be very expensive. Food should be expensive? We should starve. Now let me describe the taste of this beer. It's thick. It's thick and kind of uh, But when you sour. say thick and sour, but when you say thick, what do you mean? Like two C's or a K? Uh, three C's. Holy shit. Uh, with a K at the end. 
Jesus Christ. Uh, it's. Are you sure you just didn't misspell? It's a very heavy beer. It, and then maybe because it's this 200-year Guinness, it's supposed to taste like the original formulation. Yeah. Uh, it, it tastes like a beer of antiquity. It, it tastes like a beer one would drink while sitting around some kind of floppy wooden table speaking of rebellion. I So I, my personal experience of that beer, I had two of them myself, was that uh, every time I took a sip, I imagined myself walking into a tavern after a long day in the coal mine, ordering this one beer because it's all I could afford, and that was my sustenance for the night. And so it was pretty good. It drinks like a meal. Now, you've got the damage in. Is that a local beer? Because this Guinness sure as hell isn't. Uh, it says brewed and canned in Texas. It's New Republic Brewing Company. Damn it, Jim Amber Ale. It's light. It says beam me up. So, I mean, there, there's allusions to Star Trek, the original series. And uh, it's, it's just like a light, weedy kind of amber ale that... Uh, I don't know, it's good for a session. It's a sessiony beer. It's a sessiony beer. Uh, that's uh, New Republic is a brewery I often see at HEB but never purchase yeah. because I like to buy beers that are closer. I'm getting real into session beers lately, you know. Not drink- getting older. Well, I'm getting older, so the, the, the ramifications of drinking are felt heavier the next day. But, so, we, we had an event this past weekend, and all I did was slam a couple of session beers, maybe like four in total over the course of four hours. And I never really, I got maybe like mildly buzzed into like a real comfort zone where I, I realized some of the things I was saying was like, you wouldn't say that if you hadn't just slammed that <laughs> beer. But um, but I never really got drunk, and the next day I felt pretty fine. Yeah, it's it's uh, there's something to be said, and I know this goes against everything that I stand for. There's something to be said for drinking things of a lower alcohol percentage over a longer period of time, because I, typically speaking, uh, like your your higher gravity beers. Yeah, yeah. I your, mean, your I, higher gravity ales. I tend to gravitate toward high, higher, heavier stuff uh, as well, just because that's how gravity works yeah it's uh gets closer to you and you get closer to it uh i so for instance one of my last experiences with super high abv beer because i used to be able to drink a man there used to be this beer in the state where we were from called hot coffee that was a coffee stout that was 10 percent alcohol it was my favorite uh, but I got a six-pack of uh, Founders Arrogant Bastard, which is, I think, 9 or 10%. I drank a few of those, and surprise, surprise, I was drunk. Yeah. And it it's happens. not a, a great feeling to be drunk when you're not expecting it, when you're just drinking something that you like the taste of. Yeah, I think I want to stop drinking to get drunk. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same... Other than, like, special occasions. No, I, I mean... Mine so or other people's birthdays, <laughs> Easter, Christmas, I the took, Sabbath. I took that month off from drinking, and my main takeaway from that whole experiment was that there was no day where I woke up and felt like shit. Yeah. And that was like a weird, like, blessing that I didn't know was gonna be a blessing. Like, I never had to be apprehensive of waking up, because I knew I was gonna feel okay for the entire day. Yeah. It's nice. And like, drinking is great. And I love the taste now, which is like complete opposite from what, from before I drank. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I need to drink something other than water. Yeah. Because I drink water all day. And when it, when the night hits, when the sun goes down, 
My drink needs to be not clear. Yes. It unless needs, it's vodka. It needs to be Coke Zero or alcohol. Or Coke Zero and alcohol. Or Coke Zero and alcohol. I uh, I feel much the same way. I've gotten to a point, because I'm slightly older than you, where... Wow, brag more. Uh, where being drunk feels less pleasant. Uh, so even, even being in my cups, as they say, or would have said at the time of this beer... Uh, even being in my cups is less pleasant and I don't super enjoy the experience and I've, I've gotten myself into uh, quite a few situations where I just drink things that I like the taste of them and then I find myself drunk and I'm like, well, shit. Yeah. It sneaks up on you. That, that's, that crafty drunkenness. Uh, drinking is something one must always examine because left to its own devices, drinking can ruin your life. It'll stab. Oh yeah, it will. Yeah. That's a whole thing. I believe they call it drinkaholism. I think, I think you drink a holism is you know, accurate. I don't know if we should make light of that by no. doing a little bitty name for it. It's called alcoholism. It's yeah. a serious ailment, disorder, illness, disease, yes. what have you. Yes. And it ruins lives. So let's just move on. Mm-hmm. So yeah. just like my family, rather than talk about alcoholism, we will change the subject. Hey, I came up, I, I was brought up in a half Catholic, half Protestant household and we discussed nothing. So, uh, half of it. Loved the Pope. Half of it hated the Pope. Well, half of them had no strong feelings about the Pope either way. How did they feel about the two Popes? No one saw it. I, I think that is true. No one saw the two Popes. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. We are getting so ahead. We have to. We are honor-bound. We're duty. If you have been following the podcast in the past few weeks, fans, you know what we're going to introduce the fourth installment of the Fast and Furious colon Spy Racers Netflix series, The Owl Job. We have to discuss this episode. And I'm going to set the timer, I believe. Um, oh, I'm breaking the time. Oh, so uh, we've got 24 minutes and 30 seconds on the clock. Okay, so it's ever increasing every time we talk about Spy Racers. Look, if you... Sum up the joke as I'm doing it, it loses a little bit of the edge. And also now, like, a layer of veneer has been shorn off this this whole production. Yes, I'm adding time each time. Because I don't know how to not do a thing. Once I start something, it goes until completion. But the funny thing is that the, the future joke... Is that the the times that I add are going to be increasingly, insanely, like, smaller. So look forward to that, I guess. 24 minutes, 30 seconds on the clock. The Owl Job. Fourth episode of Spy Rids Racer. (laughs) God damn it. Fast and Furious Spy Racers. Here we go. Start. I hate this show. Yeah. I desperately hate this show. I don't know what it was about this episode, but the the pacing for this show is literally insane. Yes. We we get the premise of the show in the first episode. The second episode, we're introduced to all the characters. The third episode, those characters finally get some characterization. And now in the fourth episode, we learn the backstory of Frosty... For uh, yes. seemingly no reason. I totally forgot the, the background of Frosty part. I only remember it because a, a slightly cool thing is he's got two moms. Yeah, he has two moms, which is cool. 
one thing that's uh, cool about this episode, I guess, is it has the Fast and Furious thing of sometimes people race for no reason. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of a, I, I will give this show credit in that the action sequences are kind of good. And that's kind of the only thing it has going on for it. Because even in that action sequence, toward the end, when they're meeting Sarkadoshi... What's his name? Shashidar. Whatever. How do you know these names? I also okay. 99% sure old, earlier in the episode someone called him Shasha. Yeah. And I think they just didn't care and kept it. So in that action sequence that John just complimented toward the end of it when they're reaching Shashidar, uh, we get this photo finish that yep. neither of the characters could know or acknowledge and yet they both in the show's reality, acknowledged that one beat the other, even though it would be impossible for them to tell. He's got a he's got Toretto eyes. Um, there's oh. there's functionally nothing to talk about in this episode. I, yeah, I mean that there's. I've got real grievances against the show now. Because it's one thing to be like, oh, it takes place in the Fast and Furious world and one of the characters is related to Dom Toretto and then we're going to build off in our own direction. But now they're building lore for the main series. (laughs) Yes. Because uh, Tony Toretto tells a story about his aunt or something. Yeah. Who had a bird. Uh Uh-huh. And apparently Dom Toretto, the Dominic Toretto... Went back to save the bird. From a house fire? From a house fire. And now we're led to believe that all Toretto's will always go back to save the bird? Like, I, build your own little corner of the universe, yes. You know, build, do your own thing in this cinematic universe that is beloved by millions... But don't try to put lore in the film's mouth. Like, don't... We never saw Toretto save a bird. No. Now, I'm okay with them building out the universe. I I, I disagree in that I like the idea of them doing that because it gives us something to talk about. But something I want to look at is... Tony Toretto is Dom Toretto's what? Cousin. He's his cousin, which means Tony Toretto is the child of... Wait, cousin? What's cousin? Cousin is like... uh, I don't have a family. (laughs) So cousin is like your your father's brother had a kid. Your father's brother had a kid. Your father's nephew is your cousin. Okay, so Tony Toretto... His parents... His, one of his parents. One of one of his parents had a brother and a sister. brother and a sister whose child was Dominic Toretto. Hold on, I need to get this straight. So Dominic Toretto has a has a, a let's say a mom. Yes. His mom has a sister. His sister had Tony Tur- Tony Toretto. Yes. That's it. Why is their age difference so huge? Because what if what if Dominic was a surprise baby to a teenage parent. Oh no, darkness! And Tony Toretto was a, a planned baby of a of a of down the line. Like I, I technically have cousins who are in like their uh, how old are they? I guess they're near their seventies. 
Really? Oh yeah, because I, guess I have that too. I, I, I guess a little small deep dive into my family. My dad was the youngest of four, and the gap between him and his eldest sister was about twenty or so years. Yeah, I had an uncle that was like ninety. Uh, people used to be having babies. Let me tell you, people be having babies now. Da Tony Toretto's aunt, his aunt, is his that could actually. It could be Dominic Toretto's mother. It could actually be Dominic Toretto's mother. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That, yeah, there's no way to dispute it. So we know now we have built out at least somewhat the Toretto family tree because we have oh. Mom and Papa Toretto. Yeah. To Dom. Yeah. And then we have a branch that An goes aunt. to Tony. It could be, yeah. And Tony's aunt could be... Dom's mom. But also, Mr. and Mrs. Toretto have Mia, Dom, and John Cena. Bum, bum, uh, bum, spoiler. <laughs> What's his name? Uh, Jacob. Jacob. I thought it was Justin, which would be an incredible bad guy. Justin Toretto. Justin Toretto. <laughs> we got the whitest name we could. Uh, yes. That Now we've built up the family tree. I think that's interesting. This whole bird thing, I don't think that's so uh, interesting. Wh- what do you think about codes being stored on diamonds? I don't care. I don't... And apparently the code... Okay, so there's a whole... There's a whole, like... Usually, like, there's a C-pop plot you can throw away. There's an entire B-plot you can throw away in this episode. I dare say you could throw away the A-plot as well. Nothing yeah. what truly occurs in this episode. Oh, uh, um, Tony Toretto and Lysandri. Yes. <laughs> What's her name? Liana? Layla. Layla. So Tony and Layla bonded a little bit, and that's gonna, I think that's hinting at the future where Layla's, he's gonna turn Layla to the, the, the light side of the force. Yes. While uh, Sashay Dar is gonna try to, like, corrupt her into the dark side of the force. Even though we know that Sashi Dar is actually gonna be a good guy in the end. I don't think he is anymore. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Also, uh, I don't know how I feel, like, in this 2020 age of, like, let's, let's represent and all, I don't know how I feel about having a Russian character depicted wearing, like, you know, the Yushinka hat. Yeah. Just for the sole fact that, oh, we gotta tell he's Russian. Yeah, I, I don't know. I That character was bad. That whole scene was bad. This Even entire, the car chase was bad. The entire episode, the entire was, episode just, was really bad. I guess the only thing I really got out of the Russian scene was like further evidence that literally everyone in this universe can drive really well. And just further credence that Tokyo Drift... Was just a joke on whatever yeah. the main character's name he was. It was just so bad. <laughs> like, he was like, yeah, this is kind of like my community service. I'm going to teach this kid how to drift. Yeah. Because everyone else can do it but him for some reason. <laughs> he, he, for some reason, has a severe driving-based learning disability. Uh, and when he returns in uh, Highway to Hell, we'll see that. Uh, nothing happens in this episode. I I badly hate oh, it. Oh man! Uh, what it's a filler episode in and a series that has eight episodes. Now, uh, I there was one thing I was gonna say, but I don't remember it. Um, was it wasn't it? that interesting. We still got sixteen minutes. Uh, all right, more things I didn't like. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it kind of feels like piling on, but like. Do we really need, like, a gotta reach my steps for the day joke? 
No, we don't. Oh, I know what I liked. What did you like? I liked Rusty. Rusty was really good, actually. Rusty was bar none the highlight of this episode. Shashi Dar has a security chief or head of security for his private home named Rusty. And Rusty is an incredible character. And really, whoever is writing the typically pretty bad jokes for this show really hit it out of the park with this one. Uh, Rusty, he has one character trait, and that's he over-explains everything. Yeah. Uh... He's really into cameras. <laughs> I, I almost feel as though they decided to write him that way because when the power fails due to, by the way, they can generate earthquakes. Oh yeah, they uh, can generate, wait, no. They can generate false earthquakes. Yes, they can generate uh, false earthquakes. Because they called it a false earthquake and in my head I'm like, isn't that just an earthquake? Yeah. Uh, but they can make earthquakes happen. Yeah. Uh, but when the power goes down at the Dar residence, Rusty says, time to reboot the camera system. And I think if I were writing that show, I'd be like, since we have to put in that line for children, wouldn't it be yeah. funny if since he was compelled to say to no one, time to reboot the camera system, he might just be someone who says everything he thinks and overexplains every single thing. Uh, he talks about, uh, what is it, Louis-Francois Daguerre. Yes, yes, Daguerreotypes and yes. the first camera. My, this is my second favorite usage of Daguerreotypes in media other than Life is Strange. <laughs> the video game? Yeah, the first episode oh, of Life is Strange. During the little tutorial thing in the, in the classroom, you have that gross professor teaching about Daguerreotypes. You ever played Life is Strange? I never played Life is Strange. It's quite good. Okay, well. It's quite good. If I want to read a book, I will. It's quite good. You did read a book. It's called Disco Elysium. Uh, it's a very <laughs> long book. So the the good thing about Rusty is, so Sashi Dar, whose name I'm probably butchering, was on the phone with Sky and like he hangs up on him. Yes. And later, when he arrives at home, Rusty is kind of like, you know, outside, kind of like everything good, all things good. Yep. And, like, this is, this is very, like, non-forthcoming with, like... And then, finally, it comes on to Sashi Dar to be like, Look, I'm sorry <laughs> I hung up on you. Like, that felt like a real genuine person moment because... It, it was... That's great. It was a really good moment because he's like, I had a lot going on, but listen, that was rude. I was wrong. Do you want to talk about... And they, like, made up. Yeah. It was weirdly heartwarming. You know, I it's always good to see a multi-millionaire treat his his staff with some modicum of of humanity. Wasn't there a thing early on in the episode where it zoomed in on a character's face and another character just said booyah for some reason? Yeah, that happened in literally the opening of this. Yeah, so so Layla shows up at the crew ha- ha- hangout and Tells Tony Toretto, hey, Sasha Dar needs to meet you or something. Um, and then for no reason, the only line Cisco has in this, in this episode, it feels like he looks right into the camera and goes, booyah, for no reason. For absolutely no reason. Uh, and also, Cisco's other line is he finds a Froyo dispenser. Oh, yeah. Because apparently Froyo is the thing that they want to keep bringing back. And then... At the very end, I don't know if he says anything, but he is drinking directly from a container of milk, which yeah. I thought was funny. Well, he's he's on gallon of milk a day. Go mad. Yeah, he's on go mad. I'm on gallon of soy milk a day. I'm go sad. <laughs> 
I'm actually on bag of bagel a day, Bobad. <laughs> That's pretty funny, Bobad. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I'm sorry, I'm in a dark place right now because we still have 11 minutes and 30 seconds to talk about this episode that we both did not like. Okay, wait, I have I have an idea for how we can use the remaining 11 minutes. You want to sit here in silence? No, no, no. Oh. What we'll do, just the sound of the wind chimes in the background for 11 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how uh, listener hostile. What I would like to do is just spice it up a little bit. I know it might be outside the scope, but I'd like to say there's not going to be time to talk about it on this episode, probably. And it's something I care about and people should know about. So what I'll do is I'll give one thing about the episode, most likely something I liked or didn't like, and I will use an equivalent amount of time to describe something from the movie Birds of Prey or The Fantabulous Emancipation by Harley Quinn. Of Harley Quinn. No, we can't do that. Fine. Even what though, the fuck are we going to talk even about? Even though you took a long time to set that up. That's uh, great. You gotta, well, we can't de- do. Look, denial is the, the basis of all creativity. We have to keep it Fast and Furious related. I'm sorry you can't bring in other cinematic universe properties. Okay. Because we do have Fast and Furious news to discuss. It's a shame we have to talk about Spy Racers, though. It's part of the same cinematic universe. Okay, we have to tie it in, though. You have to tie it in. It involves Vin Diesel. So Dominic, just to refresh, Dominic Toretto is the cousin of Tony Toretto. I get and it. Dominic so Toretto is in a series of Fast and Furious Because movies. I said no to your thing, you're now going to belabor facts <laughs> about Fast and Furious so that there's no time for my thing. Well, look, when you call attention to the joke and you remove <laughs> a veneer... Shut up. Okay. Why are we fighting this episode? Fast and Furious news. So, have you seen the headline or the article if you're more inclined to read the entire thing? Yes. Vin Diesel has said he wants to split the 10th movie, <laughs> yes. the 10th part of The Fast and Furious, into two movies. I, I've been saying this for a long time, and this is going to be... This is not going to be the first or the last time you hear me say this, listeners, but hit me with a hobbit. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You make 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 a hobbit out of this. <laughs> Let's make a hobbit out of, a hobbit out of this. <laughs> But the funny thing is, like, okay, the the headline caught me off guard because, number one, who said they were going to stop at ten films? Uh, yeah, so there was... This, a, this news is coming out of nowhere, seemingly. There, there was this thing a few weeks ago where they described the ninth film as the penultimate film. Yeah. And I don't know where this narrative of there's only going to be ten Fast and Furious movies came from because I'm devastated by that news. See, like, there's no rules in cinema that, like, once you hit ten, you have to stop. So, yeah. like... Don't split the 10th movie into two parts. Just do an 11th movie. <laughs> so the the thing that I... You know, I have to respect them. Because they had, they had the restrictions that they had. And a lot of people haven't done this and they paid the price. But I appreciate that they're ending it where the book's ended. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of the times you see, you see just, you know, like... I don't know, Friends. You see these sitcoms that just keep going forever... Into like 300th episodes or whatever. And just gets kind of the same or whatever. So I'm glad that the Fast and Furious uh, franchise is taking a page out of like Breaking Bad's book. And they're ending it before it gets stale. <laughs> yes. After 10 <laughs> After 10 slash 11 movies. Slash 12 movies? Hobbs and Shaw? Oh yeah. And then 
the doors open for the other characters to have other things. Oh, you think we're finally going to get our uh, ludicrous <laughs> spinoff? Yes, the the Tedge movie. The, yeah, the rise the rise of Tedge. <laughs> uh, un- unfortunately, I have looked at the spec script, and they did not go with the rise of Tedge. Oh. It was Tedge of Tomorrow. Tedge of Tomorrow. <laughs> oh, I would watch Tedge of Tomorrow. It's the same it's plot. It's the same plot. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Doesn't uh, that parkour video game Mirror's Tedge? Mirror's is also Tedge, going to be pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Galaxy's Tedge at Galaxy's Disney World. Tedge at Disney World. How many more Tedge jokes can we make? Uh, there's a fighting game on the PlayStation called Soul Tedge. Oh yeah, Soul Tedge. Yeah, Soul Tedge. That's on the Dreamcast, right? Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was renamed Soul <laughs> Roman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when, it, uh, when it got ported later. The, unfortunately, that's that a true. nerdy fucking joke. <laughs> it really is. Uh, but yes, Tedge of Tomorrow slash so, Fast and okay. Furious 11. We've already established that in Fast Furious 9 they go to space. Uh-huh. They have to. And our proposed script for Fast 10, Highway to Hell. Uh-huh. Uh, Dom or the crew journeys to hell to save somebody from the crew. Yes. To rip them from the mitts yeah. of the devil. From the devil himself, played by, let's say, Josh Brolin, because that would be fun, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Josh Brolin as the devil. That'd be, that'd be pretty good. That'd be cool. That'd be a cool time. I don't know yeah. if I'm typecasting him, but look, I'm not a producer. I'm just an ideas guy. Yeah, no. Uh, so, we made that plan with before we had the knowledge that the tenth movie might potentially be split in twain, mm-hmm. how does that knowledge affect our plans for Highway to Hell? So knowing that it's in two parts, it complicates it. But I've thought about this. Okay. Now I think Fast and Furious Ten, Highway to Hell remains. Okay. I think that the plot largely remains unchanged. They they rip this person from the the midst the ninth circle of hell where politicians go or whatever Dante said. Oh yeah, it's where the people who eat marshmallows go. But the thing is, I'm gonna pitch it to you this way: We know that people of our generation are now writing movies. Your 25 to your 35 year olds are now in charge. They're the creatives now. Yeah. Okay. And they were raised by one thing. They were raised by Japanese role-playing games where the ultimate objective was to kill God. Okay, so we're going to pull like a Diablo 3. Yes. Slash any Persona game. Slash any Final Fantasy game. Yes. Yeah, no, so, it, so I was thinking about this. Like, what if they travel all the way to hell, fight Hell's Legions, meet Satan, it turns out like he's a pretty, he's a pretty chill guy. Yeah. He's more like a Hades of Greek mythology than an actual... Like Christian Satan, yeah, and he's like, "Hey, you know, I'd love to help you, but he's not here." Or whoever, yeah, yeah, Letty's not here. Letty's in heaven. Oh no, Dom! If Dom dies in Fast Nine, obviously Dom goes to hell uh, for his crimes. Yeah, Letty goes to heaven because she's innocent. She's innocent in all this. <laughs> yes, she did what she did out of love, and Dom yeah. did it out of pure, pure <laughs> greed. Got to get that money. Yes. So yeah, so Satan's like. But wait, let's team up. Josh Brolin joins the clique. Yes. The devil joins the Fast and Furious crew. And they take down heaven. Yes. So it becomes Highway to Hell 
part two has to be called Stairway to Heaven? No. No, can't do it. It's called Furious Heaven. Furious Heaven. Explosions in the sky. Explosions in the sky. Car Carway to Heaven. F10. The Fast Saga <laughs> colon. 10 part 2. Uh-huh. 10-X-2. Furious Heaven colon. Explosions in the sky. Explosions in the sky. They have to ride or die now, to heaven. We don't have a lot of these movies ending on a cliffhanger. But what it is, is the devil joins the yeah. crew, right? Yeah. And they go back to Earth to prepare. However, God has infested the world with angels. Oh, man. And Red Dawn style, the world has now been colonized by angels who, like, put people in camps and took over the government or whatever. And they take they, they, they remove all the roads because they can fly. Yeah. They don't need roads. They remove the roads. They remove the roads. They take where we're going, we don't need roads, seriously. Yes. And delete the roads with angel powers to make room for, like, I don't know, people in cages, you yeah. said? Yes, people in cages. Now, here's the thing. Is that going to read too political? <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. Oh, okay. Uh, but they come back. We're out of t- We're limited on time. But they come back. Cliffhanger. Because how are they going to get out of this one? How are they oh, going to yeah. defeat the legions of heaven? Yeah, the fast and familiar. What are they, they going to do? They see there are no roads. What are we going to do? Yeah. And gone from his absence, being in Hobbs and Shaw, and then Hobbs and Shaw 2. Yeah, by now. By, yeah. by this point. By, by this point, Hobbs and Shaw 2 Reloaded has come out. Yeah. Um, and they killed whoever the voice was. They killed whoever the voice was, Josh Gad. And then... Uh, they the the movie opens the part two and they say they they took all the okay ten ends they say they took all the roads credits mm-hmm. ten two opens cold open they say they took all the roads the rock in a tank or whatever rolls up and says when's the last time we needed roads. And then it happens. Then and then, it happens. so like, imagine the last thirty minutes of uh, Avengers Endgame, but for two and a half hours. Yes, just like not much plot. Just like boom, 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 taking angels out, take it rolling over a- angel strongholds yeah. that are just made out of humans in cages. <laughs> the the final Fast and Furious movie. If you've ever played 2016's Doom. Yeah, uh, it's basically Doom. It's basically just two and a half to three and a half hours of these characters we've come to know and love brutally, violently murdering angels yeah. with no dialogue. It, it's like, it's Doom meets Bayonetta and possibly oh. the unreleased as of now, Doom Eternal. Yeah, Doom Eternal plus Bayonetta. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Perfect movie. And we'll workshop this, you know, we got a long yeah, time yeah. before it comes out. Yeah. But this is the spec for right now. So if you want to grease our palms with silver, get in contact with us and send us millions of dollars. Yeah, uh, listen to the end of the episode, Hollywood Execs, for the uh, contact information. Uh, that's our official business email that you can hit us up at. For, you know, the ideas about Fast and Furious, and really about any other long-standing franchise... Because I feel like uh, all franchises need a heaven and hell arc. Absolutely. And it's a shame because we do share an email address for sponsorship inquiries for the video of a cat that sounds like a southern guy saying, oh, hi. Yeah, well, same agency. Oh, 
I hear the uh, the the angels choir of bells ch- a chirping. That sounds means we are out of time. How unfortunate! How unfortunate! We talked about spy oh. racers and only spy racers yeah. for so long. That fills the require. We have to do four more of those. <sighs> Can only get better, right? Abs- I, this is called the episode four hump. Yeah. Downton Abbey Abbey had it. No, it didn't. Downton Abbey slaps. Can only get better from here. There's no way that executives for a Netflix kids show did three decent episodes and then called it, like, a job and then just left the rest to, like, I don't know, a Markov chain generator. There's no way, because, you know, people have always said Netflix truly cares about art. Bazinga. Bazinga. Now, I don't know about you, Henry. But there was another little event outside of Fast and Furious Spy Racers. These Hefeweizens taste like Primuses. Uh, so we opened up our second beer, which our uh, Hefeweizens been covered on the show before. But uh, have you ever drank or like experienced something and you thought, this is pretty good. And then like you try a second thing that just blows the first thing out of the fucking water? Not even close. Yeah, Not even close. Like, Hefeweizen, like, so I drank that damage in, and I was like, oh, this is pretty good. I took one sip of this Hefeweizen, and I was like, oh, beer can be good. <laughs> yes. Uh, Live Oak is a good brewery, and the Hefeweizen rules. Sorry, uh, New Republic, who cares? Uh, sorry, New Republic. Sorry, New Republic, who dis? Uh, there was another event that yeah. took place. Outside in of the Fast and Furious universe. The Zeitgeist. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, John. I don't know if you uh, tuned in on Saturday. Uh, a little event. I don't know if you know this. Uh, the 92nd Academy Awards. Oh, I was referring to a different event. Oh, were you? Yeah, I was uh, referring to the results of the 2020 uh, New Hampshire primary. <laughs> That hasn't happened already. It's uh, happening tonight. It's happening tonight with 64% It's happening reporting right now. With 64% oh, reporting. I had a whole thing that I forgot to do. But yeah. During Spy Racers? No, right now. Uh, with 64% reporting, we have Bernie Sanders in the lead at 25.9%. Well, it is his state. It is Well, Vermont. I have uh, unfortunate news for you, John. What? Uh, I, I know you have... We don't like getting political here on the show, but in the in the past, you have made reference multiple times to one uh, Andrew Yang. I have, and uh, all I have to say is I'm sorry for your loss. Andrew Yang has dropped out of the presidential race. What? As of a couple of hours ago. Are you serious? That is absolutely a true thing. I had no idea. That is absolutely a true thing. Andrew Yang, as 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 of a couple of hours ago, dropped out of the presidential race. Andrew Yang. Um. Yep. Yeah, uh, one hour ago. Really? Yep. Man, this blows my dick off. And so, uh, all, all I have to say to the Yang gang is, you know, I'm sorry for your loss, uh... Universal basic income is absolutely a conversation we need to have. And I was glad he brought some cultural uh, limelight to it. But apparently it's it's not happening quite yet. Yeah, Andrew Yang brought up the conversation of UBI, which is definitely important if you want to give a, an extra thousand dollars to your landlord. But, no, I know. In the, as more things get automated, like these... these 
blue collar jobs, like people are gonna need subsidization. Yeah, but I think the the answer to that isn't And they're gonna own their homes. I, I think the answer to that is not uh I think that UBI is an oversimplification of things are getting automated. We have less need for actual workers. Universal basic income is kind of a stopgap saying within the mechanisms of capitalism, this is a way to make people who are no longer viable in a workforce. This is a way to bring the floor up so people aren't made to live on the street uh, because technology advances too fast. I just want money. I think the actual answer is technology is going to advance too fast, at which point we need to find ourselves in a system outside of capitalism and outside of the need to give someone an additional $1,000. Okay, so what's more likely? Universal basic income gets passed, or we find a system outside of capitalism and transition to it as Americans? Uh, I don't know. It's tough to say. Uh, but... Rest in peace, Andrew Yang. There's only one thing to say. See you in 2024. Yang gang, support Bernie. Well, yeah. That's I the only wanna, thing they can do. I don't want to make any decisions for anybody. I'm not telling anybody to, to, to support any candidate or anything. I'm just saying, see you in 2024. Yeah, see you in 2024. Back for the Yangs. So you... Boomer Yang, coming back. So they... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you need, please, you need to write an email to him with just that. Boomer Yang. I'm going to say 2024, Boomer Yang. Boomer Yang. And then, like, don't even sign in or anything. Yeah. Just, like, offer that up to free to his campaign or And they'll say, is this the sponsorship for the video of a southern cat that sounds like it's saying, oh, hi? Yes. I'm like, no, we actually, unfortunately, share the same email address. We have the same email address, same agent, same everything. Yeah. Really, the cat's the top earner of that agency. That cat is a real asshole. <laughs> well, yeah, but you can't say that. We we we're, we rep the same agency. I know, I know. I'm just saying, he gets all the good spots. Anyway. We get no spots because we are not cats. We're not cats who say, oh, hi. Mm. Anyway. In addition to the New Hampshire primary. Which, which by the way, po- Pete Buttigieg is doing surprisingly well. Which is a shame because he's a rat. <laughs> Now, if we're looking at other important things that happen, it's the 92nd. Non political things, largely non political. The 92nd Academy's Oscars Awards took place in beautiful Burbank, California. Did it? No idea. Me either. I said non political, but like, the Oscars are very political. Yeah. Their whole thing is kind of like politics, especially lately where they're trying to. To make up for so many years of of racism and sexism. Yeah, they're trying to make up for so many years. Years such as 2020, perhaps. You know, they're not getting it right right away. Yeah. <laughs> you don't expect somebody to quit smoking cold turkey. <laughs> yes. It's, they are addicted. It's so, it's so important to say, yes, we are making up for mistakes, such as the mistake we are currently making. Isn't that the nature of, like, the weird apology circuit that a bunch of, like, celebrities go on? They mess up. They apologize. They continue to make the mistake. Yeah. They apologize. They still get cast in big movies. They apologize. Listen, life's a journey, and all you can do is fund a documentary that tells people how you were right. Uh, Kevin Hart. 
Oh, about how he would... Be... How he cheated on his wife. Oh, I thought... He made a documentary about how he cheated on his wife, and he funded the documentary to make him look good. But wait, the bad part of his thing, I thought... And yeah, how he said he would beat his son. Yeah. Uh, that was... Not... I thought... So, in the... Con... That was amazingly not brought up. In the context of my mind... I thought you were referring to his comments about beating this son of a son came out as homosexual. No. And you said he funded a documentary to show that he was right. So in my head... <laughs> yeah. He no, that sounds much whole, crazier. The whole documentary is like, yes, I would beat my son. Like, not refuting that what he said was wrong, but... <laughs> Proving that what he said was true. <laughs> there's like a, a slow NPR close up on his eyes, and there's just it, it, there's just audio oh. from another interviewer. It's like I did say my son if he Did he you say dead. that? I did say that. Did you mean it? I did mean it. <laughs> End of documentary. Incredible. Uh, oh, but the right. Academy Awards, a real barn burner. I don't know if you can say that anymore. I think that's offensive against people with I think barns. It's, I think it's offensive against William Faulkner. Yeah. Barn burning. Barn burning. Uh, now, I don't know where we can start with the Oscars. I don't, have a yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what I want to talk about. Because for the first time in recent years, I was actually okay with all of the winners. This was a fundamental sea change in the Oscars to me because almost every year when I watch the Oscars it it uh, reinforces in my mind that it is a, a diseased institution that doesn't need to exist because they repeatedly year after year after year on a gradient but pretty much always they give awards to movies that do not deserve it yeah uh, they put on a, a half-hearted unenjoyable spectacle which you know Kind of the same this year, as far as spectacle goes. Well, we did talk over a lot of the bits. We did. Some of the bits were good. Uh, good job going hostless, speaking of uh, Kevin Hart or whatever. Does it really count as going hostless if you're just going to have... Those are many hosts? Yeah, you have a bunch of comedians who do a, like they do bits, they do jokes, and you're not saving any time because the jokes keep going and yeah. they keep going... So, uh, this Oscars was maybe the first Oscars I've ever seen where every victory, for the most part, I totally understood and agreed with. Yeah. Uh, it was, uh, it was great. Even awards I didn't really care about because I, I, due to the nominations, like, I felt like maybe there were stronger, uh, performances out there, but apparently not. The, the people who voted for that shit disagreed with me. Um... But so like even like for like I don't know, even when Renee Zellweger won for Best Actress for Judy or whatever, mm -hmm. so I didn't really care. But I couldn't fault her based on who else was in the category. Yeah, you look at it you're like that makes sense. Yeah, she completely transformed herself into Judy Garland. Like yeah. this is, I mean that that is an amazing feat. If if acting is supposed to be amazing feats of like becoming someone else, then she yeah, did it. she 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 did it. Whereas the other people apparently uh, not, not as good. I don't know. And, uh, of course, the biggest news out of the Oscars, uh, Parasite swept. I don't have a list of all the categories in front of me, but Best Picture, Best Director, uh, Best Original Screenplay, Best Foreign Language Film, That's... among others, I believe. Was it a total of four? Total of four. Okay. You, just named, you named all of them. Look at me. You did it. A uh, total of four Oscars for Parasite, a movie that, uh... 
Tragically, we never really got it together to do a supplemental reading of, even though we both considered it to be a fundamentally important film for last year. Yeah, no, it, it was hugely important. It just, it came out... Well, see, the weird thing is, like, we saw it at different times, because, like, it, it, it was in theaters for months. Yes. And, like, it's still in theaters now. And I, I saw it twice, but I didn't, I didn't quite know, I don't quite know how to talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's a film that, honestly, I feel like talking about it or, or writing about it does it a disservice. You really just got to go see it. And, yeah. and I don't know how... I don't know how else to... Like, it, it is an experience. It is a tour de force of just so many great things and contributes to a, a genre of film that I want to call, like, detail-oriented film where pieces are laid out that are... Like, every piece you are shown is going to come back later. But other than saying, like, that sentence and saying you need to see it, I don't know what else to say about it other than it's good. It's it's phenomenal. It's a phenomenal movie that absolutely deserved to win. Out of a, a year in film that was very good. We This was a very strong film year, and I don't know if it's, if it's because since moving to Austin and being <clears throat> experienced to more films, like, I don't know if it's because I saw more films that I thought it was particularly strong, or if the movies themselves were strong... It felt like 2019 was a good year for cinema. Yeah. But if you look at the Oscars and how they determine who gets to go, you see like the same six movies and you're kind of like, is that really all that came out this year? Uh, now, of course, you had your movies that no one saw, your 1917s, your Two Popes. Your Lighthouse. Your Lighthouse. Ah, oh, the Lighthouse is good. I didn't get to see it. Uh, but my my primary takeaway is that the narrative that we kept, uh, the narrative that we kept seeing... Throughout the night, uh, outside of your Jojo Rabbits, is uh, there were really three big movies in the the cultural consciousness. You have your Parasite, you have your Big Winner, you have your... And these are also the, the movies that I would typically consider to be your best of 2019. Yeah. Uh, and they're only what I would consider. And God, what was the third one? Hold on. Wait, wait you, you said Parasite and Big Winner, but Big Winner isn't the second film. No, Parasite was the big winner. So what do you say? Why is the third one? What's the second one? No, the second one is Joker. Okay, Parasite, Joker, nineteen seventeen. No, no, no. Bombshell. No. God. Um. What was the other big twenty nineteen movie? I was gonna say Knives Out. Oh, Knives Out didn't win any awards. Yeah, but I was going to say it's my top three movies. Oh. Uh, and also, uh, I, I, as far I, I, as movies like at the top of the cultural consciousness... Sorry, I, I, I was following a train of thought and oh, yeah. you were on a different rail. I was. Uh, I wasn't even saying the right thing because I was desperately trying to remember that I was wanted to talk about Knives Out. Uh, the most interesting movies to me of the year uh, were Joker, Knives Out, Parasite, all uh, written into their DNA. Uh, critiques... Of class and class conscious movies. Here's what I was going to say. Those movies are things that I'm given hope for will exist in the future. I know you were saying that uh, Parasite is just like gives you pieces. This mid-budget kind of thriller. Uh, this this mid-budget small scope kind of movie. I want so badly for those to be the future going forward. Because as we've discussed and as is... Uh, 
empirically provable Marvel movies are over. They ended. The last one was called Avengers Endgame. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't call it Endgame and then make another movie. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you call it Endgame, not Begin Movie. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Uh, But Marvel movies are now over. Your massive superhero blockbusters are over. Give us mid-budget weirdo thrillers that make us feel uncomfortable. Give me a conspiracy movie in the vein of the question... And I will sign up. I don't, it could be Rene Montoya. It could be the original The Question. I do not care. Give me the question. <laughs> Give me the question. All I ask for is the question and nothing else. So the, the thing that I think is... Uh, there was a very uh, pessimistic tweet about this. Well, what let me, happened? Let me see if I can find it. I, I relate it to you at the Oscar party. Uh, but let me see. You can either vamp for time or give me a clap for edit. I'll vamp for time. Oh, I said that, but then I have nothing. <laughs> I think I had, I had things to say in response to what you were saying, but now it's it's. I want films to be fun to watch again, not in like. I've a, got it. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I feel like whenever here's the thing: whenever you throw to someone to vamp, absolutely hundred percent of the time, they're people like, "I got it," and then they they the, the same has happened to me. People can't vamp when they think they can vamp. So you think you can vamp. But uh, I was actually <laughs> saying what... Okay, go ahead. Sorry, I did not mean to... No, you. you found the tweet. Uh, so there was, a, there was a tweet. I actually didn't find the tweet, but I found it in context for what I was going to so say. So you don't got it. Uh, the summary of the tweet was, uh, I badly hope that Parasite winning big at the Oscars will let the American people know that there's a lot of meat on your mid-budget thriller and that this will significantly change the American filmmaking landscape. Uh, But what I truly believe will happen is that uh, Kong Ho Song will just be the bad guy in Ant-Man 3. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is a really funny tweet. I Also, very accurate. I I genuinely believe that will happen. They will just find someone from Parasite and give them... A uh, hundred million dollars to be in well, a yeah. shitty Marvel movie. I mean, it's exactly what producers do. They go like, "Oh, who's hot right now?" It's like, "Oh, Parasite just won Best Picture." It's so fascinating to me that they could say that and not understand why they are hot for that reason. Well, no, it's because all these producer people, and I don't mean to to put them on blast right now, but uh, they all sort of failed upward into their job. They don't really know why movies are popular. They think, "Oh." It's the celebrities. Yeah. So look, take a for instance, take Doolittle. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, if we just promote how many celebrities are in this movie, people will go see it. Yeah. And then, like, it's screen tested poorly, and so they're like, okay, drop it in January. We'll write it off as a loss and get a tax break. Now what's in right now? Oh, big celebrities. A lot of celebrities in a movie. Maybe animated. Huh. Let's make, uh, I don't know, that kid who played Spider-Man and Will Smith, maybe he turns him into a pigeon, I don't know, have him animate it. Yeah. That's the movie. Yeah. Well, uh, at some point when they're making that movie, they're like, oh, put Will Smith in it. Uh, if he's a person of color, won't test well in certain markets, turn him into a bird. Turn him into a bird. Birds are big. You seen Hitchcock? <laughs> you seen Hitchcock? He had this whole movie about him. He had a whole movie. I can't birds. How did they not capitalize more <laughs> bird movie? Can we make birds too? <laughs> uh, executive producers are dumb. 
They are very dumb. And uh, <laughs> Doolittle is so perfectly an example of that because they said, Oh, what properties do we have? Uh, Dr. Doolittle? Sure. Who do people like? Iron Man? Uh, let's get Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, all these birds. There's a, there's an emu who's voiced by Marion Cotillard. Uh, uh, who should we get to re- yeah. direct it? The guy who did Syriana? Sure. My kid likes Kamal Nanjiani. Can he be like an ostrich? Make him an ostrich. Yeah. Uh, that is that is what Doolittle is. Yeah, and I know that they're going to try to do that with the people attached oh, to yeah. Parasite. We're going to see them in some pretty bad films. Yeah, absolutely. No fault of their own. Well, but, but what I, I don't say, know. We, we might see them cast in a lot of bad films, but also we know that Hollywood does not like casting Asian people. So it might be this weird confluence where Hollywood just blows up, where a bunch of executive producers want badly to cast these famous Asian people. But yeah. Hollywood as a whole is like, oh, no, we can't cast Asian people. It's really funny uh, that you bring that up because uh, so I think it might have been two years ago. Crazy Rich Asians came out. The book, by the way, is just called Crazy Rich. Yep. They added Asians for the movie so people would understand what they were getting. Yes. Anyway. Uh. I saw it. It was a really decent movie. I actually kind of enjoyed it. I don't... We. It was like... You, I, don't, you don't need to no, capture no. too much because I saw it and quite liked it. Yeah. And what I'm going to say is like I realized for some reason we kept seeing movie. Me and my wife kept seeing movies that I would suggest. And I was like... I want to go, so I just, I went to her, so I want to go to movies, but I don't want to see a movie that I suggest. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, what about Crazy Rich Asians? I said, oh, why not? Let's do it. Yeah. And it was successful. Yeah. It, it made money at the box office, which is like the only sort of like standard for make for like, yeah. if a movie is good or not to these people. Yeah, that's the only way to tell if it's a success. And so naturally the book is part of a series. They're like, all right, we do the next, we do the next, we do the next one as a movie. Yeah. And they are. Only they're having a lot of trouble putting it together. Oh no! Which why? is insane because like just get the same director. Yeah. Get the same actors. Get the same screenplay people. But for some reason, uh, the screenplay people is like a white guy and an Asian girl. Hmm. And because of the way Hollywood contracts work, he had like a more movies under his belt, so he got paid a lot more. And she didn't have as many movies, even though, like, she did the first one. And so she was getting paid less. And the guy was like, this is wrong. Uh, I'm willing to basically share my paycheck with you because you're doing as much work as I am. Uh-huh. And she was like, no, this is kind of bullshit because they're only putting me on this script so they can say that an Asian person worked on the script. I'm out. And now the movie's, like, not coming out anymore. And it's kind of like, you. all you had to do was make a sequel, and that's what you love to do. How is this so hard? All you had to do was pay people appropriately, and you could have made the sequel that you love so much. Oh, my... It's just... So, so yeah, yeah, it's like, it's like, oh, we can't cast Asian people. We can't even make a sequel to an Asian movie. Be- that's even, like, all it is, it's connect the dots. I mean, it, it's it's very difficult to reach into or analyze the, the pervasive problem that Hollywood has with, uh, with casting Asian people. 
Uh, so there's an article that I want to find. Oh, you want me to vamp for time? Vamp for time, vamp for time. So all I want to say is that... Um, oh, I got it. So there's this article... <laughs> there's this article in the New York Times called Parasite One, but Asian Americans are still losing. Yeah. Uh, I recommend reading it. And also... If where, you, where can people find that article? Uh, the New York Times. That's a, okay. And uh, if you've already used up your New York Times free reads for the month... Use that incognito browser, bro. Use incognito browser or use the Unroller app where you put in a url and it extracts all the text and just gives it to you that's pretty awesome yeah so uh, i would read that if you want a little bit of insight into the systemic racism problem that is happening in hollywood especially oh, and been, particularly yeah. against asian people yeah it's been happening for a really long time yes there, there's no demographic that has asked like could you do a voice are, are you willing to do a voice more so <laughs> yeah. Asian actors. Yeah. Can you can you sound more you know Asian? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's like it doesn't matter like Chinese, Indian, Vietnamese, South Korean. It's all just like could you be more of your demographic? <laughs> yes. And it's like um American. Yeah, it's <laughs> I'm I was born and raised in New York. <laughs> it's fascinatingly backward, but Paris, I did win big. Uh, not to take it away from it, but just keep yeah. in mind, because Parasite won, that does not mean Hollywood has ameliorated its problems with Asians, no, and you should still hold I mean, them to task for it. Well, I, like, it, it doesn't mean that Hollywood has learned anything, because you just turn the dial back a year and Green Book won Best Picture. Yeah. What the fuck? They get one right for getting one very wrong. Yeah, so, I mean, like, Parasite was a really great movie, and it, it's great on its own merits. Like, it's not great just because it has uh, Korean people in it or anything like that. It, it's it's how films should be made. And this is the point I've been ramping up to. I want films to be smart, engaging, and, like, captivating again. I, I don't want spectacle or, like, all sizzle and no substance or, or something like that. Uh, I, like, every... Every facet of that movie is perfectly sculpted for that movie. And we need more movies that are just... Just... Perfection. Yes. Uh, Knives Out was really good. And it it does a lot of similar things. It it turns a genre on its head. And, and like, Knives Out is a movie of its own sort of ilk. Um, Parasite's the same. And I'm going to argue for the Canadian film, uh, Ready or Not, did this too. Yes. And so it's like, it's not... Great year in film. It's not difficult to do. It's just, I, I feel like sometimes people get lazy or they go for the spectacle. They go for, oh, we got to put asses in seats. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Bay, can you? I know you like explosions. We brought you in for this uh, Explosion Man 2. Yeah. Uh, can you make the explosions, I don't know, bigger? Yeah. And movies like that have a place, but that place is not... Uh, the the largest grossing movies, the the movies that we should be making are movies that are made with love, meticulously. Yeah. Something that uh, I... So I have been watching through all of Bong Joon-ho's movies. Not all of, but, you know, the big ones. Oh, yeah, like uh, Host. The Host, Snowpiercer, Mother, Mother Memories o- of Murder. Okja. Okja. I don't... I haven't finished Okja. Uh, I don't want to. It's uh, on Netflix. I know, but I've learned the lessons of Okja already. Uh, I don't. Oh, okay. I don't L- eat Okjas. Listen, John. We all heard. We all heard Joaquin Phoenix's speech. But that doesn't mean we're all good people now. All of a sudden, listen. Just because Joaquin Phoenix said the milk is bad, 
doesn't mean that your life choices are any less or good. I'm just as good as Joaquin Phoenix, the best among us. Uh, cancel culture is also bad. Come at me. Uh, now, it kind of is, though. It is. Uh, there was nothing incorrect about... The fact that people are saying his speech was bad when there was nothing incorrect... The fact that people are saying his speech was bad when there was nothing incorrect that he said. He said, pervasive cancel culture is bad. Yeah. Uh, no one has the right of supremacy over any other living being. And then he ended with a quote from his dead brother that he got visibly choked up at. The fact that people are taking him down for this and not like actually treating this as one of the best Oscar acceptance speeches in history is insane to me. There's a, there was a minor Twitter spat for some reason. Uh, people comparing Joaquin Phoenix's awards acceptance speech with uh, Renee Zellwinger's. And it's like, well, that doesn't actually solve anything either. Yeah. It's their time receiving an award in a very high-pressured, like, you're in front of... Imagine you're in front of everyone in your industry, and you have to, like, give a one-minute-and-thirty-second speech, and you have to not sound like an idiot, remember to thank everybody, like... Just shut up. Yeah. Just don't attack their speeches. It's hard. Joaquin did a good job. Uh, but I've been watching through his movies and I was uh, watching Mother, which might be my favorite of his movies. Is that the one where he hates America? Uh, no, that's the host. Oh, whoopsies. Uh, and kind of Snowpiercer. Uh, but if you watch Mother, there's something somewhat problematic about it, I guess. I don't I don't know that problematic is even useful in uh, in the lexicon anymore. But essentially, an actor who is not mentally challenged plays a mentally challenged character well, I yeah. think. Uh, but anyway, whatever. A bunch of people have done that. Uh, but Mother's very good, but I was reading a review of Mother on... Rotten Tomatoes, and one of the... Which, don't go to that hell website. No, why would you? But one of the little splatty ones, one of the bad ones, said that uh, it's so tiresome that uh, Bong Joon-ho's movies, no matter the subject matter, are always inexplicably sad. He can't seem to make a feel-good movie. I'm oh like, my God. Uh, that is... The the thinnest, weakest criticism, and that's a conversation I had with Allison after he watched it, is she said, every one of this person's movies that I've seen, uh, I feel like every emotion. I feel happy, and there are moments that are hilarious, and sometimes I feel deeply sad. Yeah. And none of those feelings go away after I watch them. I'm like, exactly. You can watch Mother, and I think that Mother has... One of the funniest things I've ever seen in it. There is a very funny, perfectly constructed scene. There is also a deep, pervasive, disturbing vein of sadness in that movie. And the thing is, in life and in movies, both of those things can exist at the same time. Yeah. You you don't have to make... I know I rag on Marvel movies a lot. But you don't have to make a superhero movie every time... Where at the end of the movie, its only object- objective is to make you feel good and walk out of the theater and release it from your brain into the ether. Because it gave you your catharsis and it's all gone now. You don't have to do that. If you make good movies, they can make they do make you sad. What good works of art do embody a huge range of human emotions as they should. If you make something that's one note, I mean, is it even worth watching or viewing 
some of the best comedies have some of the darkest moments because you can't have one without the other. Yeah. You like having this 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 multitude of emotions is what makes it good. And so the person who says, "Oh, you can't make a feel good movie." You I guess you're who oh, this is going to sound terrible coming out of my mouth. I guess you're who Adam Sandler films are for. <laughs> Uh, not all Adam Sandler films, but like a magnificent, mean, yeah. magnificent six or whatever. I guess the Netflix one specifically. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. Uh, Bong Joon Ho is good. Hits from the bong. Hits from the bong. Glad that Parasite won, but it has awakened a really disgusting conversation a- across film people. Oh, the ones that we just had. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. also people who are like, why do movies have to be about class? I'm like, because it's the only thing we can talk about right everything now. Everything should be about class. There is a huge, huge class problem in the world. It's not even, like, just one nation. I mean, the only way one can look at art and history is through a Marxist perspective. And that's just to understand the class conflict is at the heart of all conflict. Yeah. Oh, I I also saw a weird uh, spattering on the internet of people who were mad that Joker didn't win Best Picture, but, like, way too mad. <laughs> yeah. Like, mad in a way that you might think they would take action oh, no. for some reason. Oh, no, this, was, this is what they warned <laughs> us against. Uh, and as many people I've seen being mad about Joker didn't win, I've, I've also seen... A weird resurgence of, like, the bad spin on, like, oh, so many guys are mad that Joker didn't win Best Picture. Oh, no. And then, like, it's tagging somebody who's being, like, just rampantly misogynist. Yeah. And it's like, and again, you miss the point of the movie. Yep. This isn't helpful, and it's not funny, and I know you might be going for, like, a weird comedy vibe, one person in particular on on our Twitter feed. Who I'm calling out, but not naming. But, like, just kind of drop it. The movie wasn't for you. You didn't like it, and that's good. Don't perpetuate these stupid thoughts and jokes that don't help the movie. Yeah. The movie was about mental illness, if nothing else. Uh, Joker's fine. Uh, I feel like Joker's a very good movie. Uh, But also, there are a lot of people for whom... Uh, they can't let go of it being a monolith of something that they're insecure about. Yeah. So, I saw a, uh, I saw another headline that was like, now that uh, Joaquin Phoenix won his Oscar, can the Joker be fun again? Uh, and it's like, um, as the way, just ra- like a, ra- a show, a raise of hand. I have a question. Uh, when was the Joker ever fun? <laughs> when will they bring back that character that made all the jokes? You know the Joker. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, the, historically the character has never been fun. Even no. even his animated like what are they called portrayals? Even his animated portrayals are like dark and creepy. Yes. Because he's the fucking Joker. Uh, Joker's not supposed to be fun. Sorry. All the best portrayals of the Joker? Yeah. Not fun. Just because he was voiced by Mark Hamill and Mark Hamill... Mark Hamill is lovable. <laughs> no, you're... Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill is lovable. Yes. Now you can see why I said it. Uh, does it... I mean, even his Joker is creepy and it's supposed to be. Yeah. There, no one laughs like that. No one else can laugh like that. Listen, I'm just saying... 
Now that the two popes won its Oscar, can the Pope be funny again? Yeah, yeah. I don't know that the two popes won anything. They didn't win anything. Fuck them. Fuck them both. Well, I I think uh, the Oscars did take a stand against movies featuring old white men talking for way too long. (laughs) Good. Because the Irishman won nothing. The two popes won nothing. That's the amount of runway I had for this joke. You got it. I, uh, here's something that people aren't really talking about. I do like that, uh, Bong Joon-ho took time out of his acceptance speech to thank people like Martin Scorsese and the other nominees for giving him a backbone of creating film because, uh, Bong Joon-ho is two things. He does treat award ceremonies and the Oscars like a ludicrous circus, which makes him magnetic in that. <laughs> he called them a local award show. Yes. Uh, I, I really enjoy that because he understands it's not just about Oscars and he does like getting an Oscar. Yeah. Uh, but also, more importantly, he does credit people that gave him inspiration to create movies. There's a, yeah, there's a history that you can acknowledge while moving forward. Absolutely. And I think he did that. I really like the way he did that. He's like, oh, in my film studies book, there was a quote. And then he's like, that quote was from Martin Scorsese and like, you know, gave him, uh, highlighted him and in, in his, his, his illustrious career. Yes. And it's kind of like, yeah, you, you did great things for film. So did like Alfred Hitchcock and Steven Spielberg at a time. And it's kind of like, well, you're, you, you know, time keeps marching forward. And if you keep doing the same things you did at the beginning of your career, at the end of your career... You might not get the accolades anymore because we we've moved forward. We've gone beyond. Now yeah. we we want the next big thing, or or like we want to see f- f- cinema done in a new way. Yeah, not the same way that you were doing it thirty years ago. Time is done for the crime man. Now the class man cometh. We're done with mobsters. Uh, we're done with big sharks. Sorry, the Meg. <laughs> oh no, the Meg should have won at least five Oscars. <laughs> What what makes me really sad about the Oscars? I was I was pretty happy yeah. overall. But I do want to reiterate that Adventures Endgame gave us the biggest cinematic moment in history and it gets nothing. Ah, uh, well maybe of the of the century thus far, of the last 20 years biggest cinematic moment. No, 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 I'm sorry. Avengers Endgame gave us literally the biggest oh, yeah, it's cinematic... Literally the, it is actually literally the largest moment in cinematic history. And it gets nothing. I feel like you can't give it to them. Why not? You can't. Why not? You can't. Why not? What do they need an Oscar for? I don't know. They, They're already winning. People worked really hard. Okay, money, money wise, if you, if success, I guess people worked really hard on those visual effects, I and mean, that was the only thing it was nominated for. Yeah, I mean, they made an entire fucking army out of CGI. If you want to get some real heads takes on it, there's I don't know what the hashtag is. There's a significant number of people making very sincere tweets about how they believe. Avengers Endgame should have gotten Best Picture, mm. and they are uh, making a lot of uh, pretty reductive, somewhat racist points about how a Marvel movie should have won Best Picture. It's pretty good. If it was last year, 
I would argue 100% that Infinity War should have won over Green Book. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> but uh, uh, give me the two movies, I'll take Infinity yeah. War any day. And Infinity War, I believe, is a, strong, is a stronger film out of the two anyway. Yeah. Um, but no, not this year. Not this year. Yeah. Fuck that Astro. I don't know what it's about, but fuck it. More like dad astronauts. I've heard that. <laughs> I've heard that joke. Uh, but yeah, that's the Oscars. Yeah, and so, I mean, so while we made all those jokes about, uh... Asians. Asians and women. <laughs> no! We did, okay, so while we pointed out that the, uh, I guess, cultural consciousness has this, this, this boner for saying that, you know, women and Asians don't win, a bunch of Asians won, and a bunch of women won that just no one cared about? Best score went to Hilder. I can't say her last name. What? Hilder? Oh, I don't remember her name. Yeah, I know. But the best original score went to Joker. And the composer for that film is a Scandinavian, Norwegian composer whose first name is Hilder and her last name has characters in it that do not translate directly into (laughs) English. Uh, No, that was a big win. Also a very good score. Uh, big showing for women at the Oscars red carpet. Uh, Natalie Portman did wear like a cape with the names of a bunch of women who weren't nominated sewn into it. So it'd be really cool if Natalie Portman's production company would fund any movies directed or written by women. I'm really glad you pointed that out because, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so two of the producers for Parasite were women. And funnily enough, they cut the mic and turned the lights off yep. on one of them. Very good. And the audience Incredible. The audience used their collective clout to turn the lights back on. Yeah. But yeah, two of the producers for Parasite were women. Mm-hmm. Makeup and hair, that was won by a woman. I mean... I I loved them cutting the lights because clearly whoever's running the Oscars did not consider it to be important and they thought that was it. Yeah, bet... Yeah. They're like, best picture, you get a minute. Yeah, it's oh sorry, uh, both Joaquin Phoenix and Renee Zellwinger combined took up all of our time for best picture. It's been that way in the past, too, where it's like, the only award we're waiting for is best picture, and for some reason it seems like they have the least amount of time. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. Anyway, best actress was won by a woman. That's a first. Best supporting actress was won by a woman. Wow. This was the joke I was ripping <laughs> up to. It's a pretty good joke. I don't know. The industry is stupid. And it, it, it it's in the midst of change. We can't expect results out of right out of the gate. But one thing we can kind of ask for is like in your weird plea for like feminism and stuff. Don't do weird double standard things where you're saying you're going to start a fight club and then say the men can join, but they have to be shirtless. Yeah, that was a weird joke. Kind of missed the mark. A lot of the jokes were weird and missed the mark. Natalie Portman, support women. Yeah, it's like... Natalie, support women. I I get it. I get it. Natalie Portman, Natalie, support Support women. women. Yeah, Yeah. I get it. It's a very funny joke. Also, why did you bring Obi-Wan to kill Anakin? That was so not cool of you. Oh, she was in Star Wars. Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. Let's stop paying lip service to these things. And start paying fist service. <laughs> no, and like actually do stuff. Like you said, Natalie Portman's production company. Hire yeah. women to work with. Yeah. Uh, 
actresses who are given lines that seem like they're not for equality refuse to say the lines. I think you have that power. Don't, uh, don't cut prominent women from your Star Wars movie so you can put your buddy from Lost in it. Yeah. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, exactly. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's simple. Don't do it. Just don't, like, it's so easy to do the actions and not I, just say the words. Here's the thing. I actually think that there is a, a, a simple rallying cry that we can get behind that all of this boils down to. So we've been talking a lot about supporting women, but if we're talking about the pay disparity between the writers of Crazy Rich Asians, if we're talking about Natalie Portman's company not producing movies directed or written by women, if we're talking about uh, people getting cut off Star Wars movies so men can take their place, it's not support women. It's 2020. Pay women. Yeah, pay women. Pay women. It's simple. All you have to do is pay them as much as somebody else. What's crazy is, like, this is going to be the year of women uh, directed, uh, led, and produced superhero movies. We're, we're starting out with Birds of Prey. The Eternals is another one. And Black Widow is another one. And uh, you gotta go to the films. You gotta go to the films. You gotta go to the films, people. If you want to support women, go to the films. They're, Birds of Prey is good. There's no reason for it to only have made $35 million domestically. Worldwide, it made a lot more. Yeah. And it's like, weirdly, because it only made $35 million in America, it is labeled as a flop, whereas it is, it's already earned back its production cost worldwide. Yeah. Making it not a flop. Change the narrative. They Have you heard that they're changing the name? To what? It's no longer going to be Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. It's now going to be called, for some reason, Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey. Ah, dumb. I know. I really like the long The original name was very good. Yeah, but people are like, oh, I guess they don't don't understand Harley Quinn's in the movie. Because the marquee only says Birds of Prey. The, The marquee. And obviously Harley Quinn is like the selling point of the movie because she was in a Quinn Tarantino film. Can we uh, murder Hollywood? I kind of want to. But murder's illegal. Murder's illegal, at least under this president. By the way, Bernie Sanders is still in the lead. Bernie Sanders, abolish student debt, make death legal. (laughs) How many, how many, how many percenting? Uh, just a couple percentage points. Him and Peter still tied in delegates. No, I meant how many uh, percent reporting? Oh, 75. Oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, he's probably going to take New Hampshire. Not as by not by as strong of a margin as I want him to, because we got to get a delegate lead to really get momentum going into South Carolina and Nevada. How the hell is Budacek, like, polling so well or, or doing so well? I don't know. He's a rat. I don't know. I, we can't get into it. We can't. We're also... Pretty much out of time. We are now officially out of time. Which means, since you are at the end of the room, you want to take that again, like coherently. Okay, so uh, I'll get a I'll get a clean take. That's right. Since I'm editing the end, since you're uh, you guys, all right. So Hollywood execs. Weirdly, 
at the beginning of this episode, we called for them to get in touch with us to, like, work with them to make the Fast and Furious movies, but then we yelled at them for, like, a, a solid half hour. Yeah. Come pay us, you little pay pigs. I don't... I don't... <laughs> Are you trying to fend on Yes. Them? No, we, with our script for Fast and Furious 10 Highway to Hell and Fast and Furious 10 colon 10 2 Furious Heaven colon Explosion in the Sky, we are fin-doming these executive producers into giving us that money, little piggies. And if you want to give us your money, little piggies, you can send us a money tweet. Uh, rest in peace, Andrew Yang. Andrew, open quote, money tweets, close quote, close, close quote, Yang. You can do so at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com, and I can tell that Henry is looking up exactly what that stands for, and it is... Two Knives Out with Camille Nanjiani, submitted by Emily V. Gordon. Uh, to the prompt, all right, all right, we need title suggestions for the sequel. Drop them from At Knives Out. Is she, uh, trying to get him in that movie? If you want to send us an email, you can do so at zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. Send us your money, send us your honey, but do not send us your gunny. <laughs> do not send us a gun. It is illegal to email a gun under this presidency. Mike Gravel 2020. Uh, we are on Spotify. Search for zero credit. Open parentheses. S. Close parentheses on the podcast section of Spotify. You can play us. Uh, you can play us in, like, a playlist, make a, make a, make a little playlist, uh, you ever heard of this band Eldrin? They're, like, a, they're really harkening back to, like, a time when bands had a lot of, like, psychedelic influences and influences particularly from, like, J.R. Tolkien and fantasy. Uh, it's pretty good. We are on Apple Podcasts. Search for Zero Credits in the Apple Podcast search bar. Leave us a like, leave us a psych, and we won't like you. Uh, like, comment, share. It's a great way to get people to learn about the podcast. However, the most and best way that people can learn about the podcast is word of the mouth because it is the only way we can survive so if you, I'm going to take this one very seriously, I know I like to create a little rhyme, but it really means a lot to us that if you get your friends together, or just at a party, or it's important to be a good patron and partner to the things that you love, because art can't be free, uh, and, and a lot of time and work goes into this, so if you get your friends together and just let them know that they need to see Birds of Prey or the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, we can all pull it together and hopefully get them some sweet checks and a sequel, because that movie's very good. So from everyone here... That's my job now. Is it? Oh! I think that was throw to you. You throw it to me. Season four is a time of change. Season four is a time of lame. Bah! And from everyone here at the Zero Regrets three TV two bathroom apartment wow, brag, studios, brag about the TV. I <laughs> am part of the problem. I am the class war now. 
We want to wish you a happy viewing of Birds of Prey, the uh, fabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. See it in theaters now or don't. Watch it on DVD, Blu-ray, HD DVD. What do they call it? Vi digital? They just say like, coming to digital on Tuesday and then coming to regular things later. Whatever happened to Ultraviolet? I think that died. The Mila oh, Jovovich movie? No, pour one out for Ultraviolet. Oh, where you could like you put in the code and you get a movie? Uh, pour one out for HD DVD. That's they lost the porn war. <laughs> also, 2020, porn war. We're going to war with porn. Oh no, that's not a battle you can win. You can't. Bye. Bye. I hate spiders. <laughs> <laughs>